On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla's autopilot rewrite is coming along nicely. Tesla's stock becomes more affordable, but for a great reason. Elon Musk possibly hints at what Tesla might show off at next month's Battery Day. A Model 3 performance wins a rally race in Western Australia and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 263 of Ride the Lightning for August 16th, 2020. And it is a rare San Francisco scorcher. The mid-90s temperatures here today in San Francisco, uh, which almost never happens. I mean, it's maybe seriously once or twice a year does it actually touch the 90s here in San Francisco proper. So roasting away, figured uh, I might as well get the podcast done a little bit early in what would normally be my dog walking time because it's too darn hot for poor Daisy. She is a dog I have noticed is very temperature sensitive if it gets basically above 70s and, you know, if it gets into the 80s, she is gets pretty tuckered out real quick. So I do not want to subject her to 94 degrees, which is what it still is right now at like 7 p.m. as I sit down to record here. But anyway, lots to talk about this week. But before I do, I wanted to mention a quick thing from last week. I was talking about range last week and how by the end of next year, we might have the first ever production 500-mile range electric vehicle in the form of either the Cybertruck or the Tesla Semi, whichever happens to hit the market first. Well, just as an interesting follow-up to that, this week, Lucid, the EV startup that's building a factory in Casa Grande, Arizona, claims that they will end up, that their Lucid Air, which is a luxury sedan, that they'll get an EPA rating for their range of 517 miles. So this is based off of their own testing. It's internal. It's not official from the EPA. But I'll tell you, if they're able to get that get that factory up and get that car built and into, into production and they do end up cracking 500 miles, boy, I say good for them. I see too many fans of Tesla online who, who just seem to take pleasure in ragging on other electric vehicles. But really, it's, it's a little hypocritical, if you ask me, because the whole, if you are a Tesla fan and you, you uh, claim to believe in Tesla's mission, which is accelerating the advent of sustainable transport, well, then you've got to at least give these other electric cars a decent rooting chance. Like, don't, don't talk them down straight away. And for whatever it may end up being worth with regard to Lucid specifically, now, yes, they've had a long and checkered history already, which really, I mean, Tesla did too. Tesla was founded in 2003 and didn't start producing their own vehicle for five years. But with regard to Lucid, their CEO and chief technology officer is a gentleman by the name of Peter Rawlinson, who he ran the original Model S program at Tesla. So he has been here before with regard to getting a startup electric car company off the ground. Plus, hey, competition is good. So I hope the Lucid indeed hits that 500 mile plus range. I mean, sure, they're going to have all the same challenges that Tesla has had to work through, like ramping up production, building a high-speed charging network. But hey, here's hoping they pull it off and we end up with three 500-mile range electric vehicle options next year. Okay, I guess two consumer options plus the Tesla Semi. And then in 2022, we can look forward to the Roadster coming out and hopefully blowing past the 600-mile range mark uh, then. So anyway... That's that. Moving on to the Tesla news this week. Tesla announcing a stock split, five to one. Here is Tesla's uh, announcement on that. Tesla Incorporated announced that the board of directors has approved and declared a five for one split of Tesla's common stock in the form of a stock dividend to make stock ownership more accessible to employees and investors. Each stockholder of record on August 21st, 
2020 will receive a dividend of four additional shares of common stock for each then-held share to be distributed after close of trading on August 28, 2020. Trading will begin on a stock split adjusted basis on August 31st. 2020. Well, again, my Tesla expertise, uh, or at least knowledge, I, I guess I shouldn't be so pretentious as to call it expertise, but my knowledge does not extend to the stock side of things. But I think this is, it is clear that uh, it is great that this is going to make it easier for retail investors. That would be the likes of you and I, aka people that don't trade stocks for a living, it will make it easier for people like us to buy Tesla shares and invest in the company and its aforementioned mission. So if you've been wanting to get some Tesla shares, but you maybe haven't been in a position to do so while the stock has surged to actually at the close of the week, uh, the news of this stock split sent the stock up uh, some more and it closed the week over $1,650, $1,650.71 to be exact. So uh, this will now be your chance because it will likely be somewhere when it splits, it will likely be somewhere in the $250 to $300 per share neighborhood once that split occurs at the end of the month. And by the way, uh, I'd like to point out this is, I mean, risk it's stating the obvious, but this is another great sign for the overall financial health of the company, which is always good news. Next up this week, remember the full autopilot rewrite that came up at the last earnings call? Well, Elon has given an update on that on Twitter, which led to some other little tidbits, which I wanted to go through with you now. So first, with regard to the full autopilot rewrite, he wrote, quote, the full self-driving improvement as a result of this rewrite will come as a quantum leap because it is a fundamental architectural rewrite, not an incremental tweak. I drive the bleeding edge alpha build in my car personally. Um, I'm almost at zero interventions between home and work, limited public release in six to 10 weeks, end quote. Well, as a follow-up, Elon was asked about how uh, whether it would handle roundabouts very well, which... Uh, not as common here in the United States, although they're, they're, I mean, they're around, but certainly much more common in Europe, even from my limited travel to Europe. And Elon saying, quote, not perfectly at first, but yes, it will take maybe a year or so to get really good at roundabouts worldwide. The world has a zillion weird corner cases, end quote. Well, he's certainly correct there. So as for the timing on this, as, uh, as we know, it is, uh, we, and we say it with love, it is always uh, maybe not the most advisable thing to take Elon at his word with regard to deadlines and the timing of things. But again, in fairness, this is a massive, complex project. So a little Elon time, as we like to refer to it, is understandable. And I, for me, I am now setting the expectation, okay, six to 10 weeks, we're here in mid-August. If we see this in our cars at the end of the year or by the end of the year, I think that would be pretty sweet. For me, the biggest thing that I would personally like to see autopilot improve at is the phantom braking. If you've had this happen to you, you know it is not a fun experience. Now it happens, I will say, at least for me, this is my experience, it happens less frequently than it used to, but it still happens. In fact, just the other day, just last weekend, it, it bit me for the first time in a while. It got me at an underpass in, in broad daylight. So I uh, went, you know, hit the un- went under the underpass. So the lighting just changed suddenly and the car did hit the brakes reasonably hard, not like a slam on the brakes kind of thing, but it was not great. I had the whole family in the car uh, and that's certainly not not pleasant for anyone, but thankfully, more importantly, the person behind me, the car behind me was far enough back where there was there was neither uh, an incident nor like a dirty look later as the as the person went by. Uh, now, meanwhile, again, Elon taking to Twitter, answering some questions here on uh, just on Friday, in fact, a quick update on the goofy stuff 
the Tesla was gonna be doing with the external speaker that's only in Tesla's made in September of 2019 and uh, and newer. So it's from 2019 onwards, you your car has the uh, external speaker, which is used for it's a uh, it's a pedestrian warning system for speeds under I think it's 18 miles an hour in both forward and reverse. If you've heard it, it's a different sound in forward versus reverse. But anyway, uh, Elon had said a while ago that Tesla would do some some fun stuff with that as a as like an Easter egg kind of thing. And so Elon was asked, well, what about that? And Elon said, quote, also definitely coming. Ha ha. Will only be on relatively recent cars as we didn't have an outside speaker until about a year ago. Can change inside sound easily. I think he's meaning you can change this, the external sound from inside the car easily. So, so here you go. I mean, you can probably take it to the bank. You will soon, those of you with, with relatively new Teslas, will soon have the chance to have your car fart on other cars, thus creating a real-life car version at future Tesla meetups of Terrence and Philip. We can have a live-action Terrence and Philip where cars play the role of Terrence and Philip. So look forward to that. Uh, <laughs> next up, another Elon update, this time on two-factor authentication for logging into your Tesla account. He says, quote, sorry, this is embarrassingly late. Two-factor authentication via SMS or Authenticator app is going through final validation right now. So uh, that is good to hear because, quite frankly, the sooner the better on that one. Not that there has been any significant security issue with regard to Tesla accounts and Tesla vehicles, but this is a significant security feature. This will definitely... Uh, add a lot of peace of mind and an actual layer of security. So I like to hear that. I'm I'm definitely going to put that to use. Uh, And one more little uh, Elon update on Twitter this week, at least by the time I recorded this one about a topic that has come up repeatedly on this podcast over the years with regard to autopilot and potholes. A Twitter user asking Elon, Uh, specifically in response to the rewritten autopilot software stack, quote, will it be able to get around potholes to avoid possible damage? And Elon responding to that person saying, quote, yes, with an exclamation mark. We're labeling bumps and potholes so the car can slow down or steer around them when safe to do so, which is super cool. I mean, if the car, if that actually happens... I will be blown away by that. And I say that with no sarcasm or snark. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to make a make a joke or make light of it. I I'm dead serious about that. I will be I will be pleasantly stunned. I blew out as if you've been listening to me for a while. It was uh I guess about what 10 months ago, last October, I blew out two tires at once on the on the same nasty pothole or kind of it was sort of two inline potholes as I was merging uh, out of the San Francisco International Airport back onto the 101 freeway and boom, just blew out two tires uh, on on a couple of wicked potholes there. So I would be absolutely thrilled if Autopilot could literally sidestep potholes. That would be an absolutely tremendous achievement. I know, uh, know it's beneficial for everyone, but especially those of us who are Model 3 or Model Y, or SRX. Basically, if you've got a performance Tesla with the the lower profile tire and wheel setup, that where you're a little more prone to those tire blowouts, uh, this will come as this would come as an extra welcome feature. Next up this week, Elon possibly this could be nothing, but possibly hinting at a reveal of the Plaid Model S happening at Battery Day. So we go back to Twitter once again. In a Twitter thread, Elon posted a picture of Herb Tarlick from the 1970s TV show WKRP in Cincinnati, uh, which I am just old enough to remember watching on Nick at Night as uh, as reruns in the 80s, but that is neither here nor there. Anyway, Herb, uh, the picture was of Herb wearing a plaid suit very in very 70s style and fashion. And Elon replying to that, saying, one day soon, I will wear this outfit uh, with with the picture of 
of Herb there. So again, is this perhaps a hint at the plaid unveiling at Battery Day, which by the way, we are T minus one month from, which is pretty crazy. Like it's it's felt like this far away thing that keeps getting pushed back, but here we are. It's August, what, 17th or 16th as I record this, or as I publish this, I should say, August 14th as I record it. So we might be just just uh, over a month away. But anyway, uh, so yeah, is this a hint? Maybe, but I have to acknowledge this might also be nothing because Elon's sense of humor is is a unique thing that if you've you know been following him for a while, you know, you get kind of a sense of his sense of humor. And with him, something like this could totally go either way. It could just be a fun, goofy joke thing, or it could absolutely be a cryptic hint at uh, the the plaid reveal happening at Battery Day. Now, let's assume for a second that it is, that it actually is going to be an unveiling of, of plaid. The plaid S would be the obvious one to be at Battery Day, since that's the one that's supposed to be out first. In fact, if the schedule holds, and it Prob- I mean, it might not. Uh, in fact, I should try to ask him on Twitter. I haven't gotten a response. I, I have had uh, not as much luck with getting responses from him on Twitter these days. Uh, but anyway, it's always worth a shot because you never know about whether or not the timeline on the Plaid Model S has been pushed back. I mean, the only the only relevant comment I can think uh, I can think of with regard to that was just a general statement when he was on Joe Rogan for that second appearance. Earlier this year, gosh, what would that have been? A, two months ago, maybe something like that. And he just said that the the shutdown, the pandemic, kind of threw everything back. So presumably that would include the Plaid Model S, which he had previously said would be out by the end of this year. So we'll see if that still happens. But anyway, um, it, if the car, if a car is at Battery Day, it's probably going to be the Plaid S. But it would be extra cool to also formally show off the other plaid vehicle due out in the lineup and no sorry not the x although yes there's going to be a plaid x as well but the roadster the roadster has not formally been shown off in almost three years now it has really been kind of in mothballs as far as uh publicity and promotion goes i mean it was it was rolled out for jay leno with his Cybertruck segment where you know, Jay saw it, loved it, wants it, mentioned it, but that was not uh, what that segment was about. But And it was rolled out for the Design Studio Holiday Party late last year as well. But but generally speaking, the Roadster has has really not uh, been, been given any attention by Tesla. So it would be great to see it also. And really, hey, if we're getting greedy here, why not? It would be even more amazing to debut the SpaceX package in action on the Roadster. I mean, Tesla's got, they could potentially close off uh, Cato Road, which runs in front of the factory. I mean, the the test track, I've been there, I've been on it, and it is, there is not a huge straightaway. So if they were to put the Roadster with the SpaceX package on it, I'm not sure if there's enough runway to make that happen in a safe in a safe manner but anyway um it could end up being too early for the roadster because again as we sit here in august the roadster is still probably roughly two years away give or take a few months but we'll see regardless though i am very very eager to see what battery day brings it's almost here it's coming up now speaking of battery day World-renowned battery expert Jeff Don and his team, who are, of course, Jeff is is a under contract. He is working exclusively with Tesla. Well, he and his team are at it again, publishing a paper on another battery breakthrough. And I wonder if any of this will factor into Battery Day. This story comes via Teslarati. I tip my cap. And they write, quote, Tesla's battery research team in Canada, led by Jeff Don, is on the verge of proving revolutionary battery density through a new next-generation battery cell. The team released its findings in a new paper, which shows how to combat anode-free cell failure through electrolyte solutions. The paper is titled, 
diagnosing and correcting anode-free cell failure through electrolyte and morphological analysis. Don and his team of researchers at Deloise, uh, uh, excuse me, Delucy, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, University, correct me Canadians, show that some of the anode-free battery cells that are used tend to store more energy per volume than traditional lithium-ion cells. This is crucial in increasing the range availability of electric cars. The anode-free batteries also are lighter than traditional cells, according to Hansen Wang, a battery researcher at Stanford University. Quote, the idea is to only use lithium on the cathode side to reduce weight, Wang said. The improvements in battery cell lifespan will eventually lead to longer-lasting cells in electric vehicles. Well, part of what's so exciting to me, honestly, about electric vehicles is how high the ceiling is. You know, there's just so much room to grow this technology. I mean, we're only in the infancy of it, really. I mean, not that the, to be fair, the internal combustion engine, it has advanced as well, even just in the last decade. There have been plenty of advances in, for instance, fuel efficiency. But with, with EVs, there is just so much blue sky above. And plus, I will say, personally speaking, I've had a lot of fun learning about a lot of this stuff. I mean, I don't pretend to be an expert on all of it, but I've learned so much about how batteries work and battery technology. It's just been really neat to learn about all the cool tech that's going into the car, not only that I drive, but just this... The, the batteries and the technology going into the cars of Tesla, this company that I am so enthusiastic about with their, their just super fun, high-performance, awesome, safe cars. And let's see here. A couple more stories this week. This one comes via listener Stephen in Brisbane, Australia, who was the first person to send it to me. Thank you very much, Stephen. An electric car, that being a Tesla Model 3 performance, just won a Targa rally in Western Australia for the first time. Uh, Stephen's sending me the story, and the story is written by Tech Australia, who writes, the Targa Southwest Tarmac Rally is broken into different categories, and the Targa 130 category featured 16 stages, ranging between 2.9 and 15.48 kilometers. Drivers Jürgen and Helen Luntzman achieved the best combined time of one hour and 17 seconds. The next closest competitor, was more than four minutes behind, and some of those in the category were pretty decent competition, says Tech Australia, including a Porsche 911 and a Mitsubishi Lancer Evo 9. Gemtech EV Racing has been racing a Tesla Roadster for a number of years and taking the learnings from that car, then upgraded to a Tesla Model 3 performance to have a real crack at the checkered flag, which they achieved. Now, you might think that stuff like this doesn't ultimately matter. That it's, okay, that's a neat little race, just a little, okay, that's that's fine. But I am here to argue, as a Tesla fanboy, that it really does matter. I mean, when electric cars win races and events like this, it gets people that had previously not or or wouldn't pay attention to electric vehicles to do just that and start not only paying attention to them, and not only taking them seriously, but also looking into them. And the more people that try electric vehicles, the more people enjoy them. We all know that because how many test rides and test drives have we given to friends, family, neighbors, and plus our own experiences. You all know, one drive and you just get it. You understand, oh, wow, okay, this is, I get what this is about. This is super cool. So... It's, it's the more people that try them out, enjoy them, the more it will start to shift the thinking and eventually the market. It just basically, in short, it helps to normalize the electric car. So this is great to see. Congratulations to Jurgen and Helen. Great work. Finally this week, Tesla is already hiring for its first design center outside of Franz von Holzhausen's outfit down in Southern California in Hawthorne. The image of the job listings, which was posted on Chinese mo uh, social media site Weibo, uses the taillight of the next-gen Roadster as its hero image to, to draw people in. And it reads in part, and I again tip my cap to Tesla Roddy here, 
and uh, in advance offer apologies for any rough translation on this, but quote, in order to achieve a shift of made in China to designed in China, Tesla CEO Elon Musk has, provo- has proposed a very cool thing. Set up a design and research center in China. It goes on to say, using dreams as a pen, depict the smart car that will make the world amazing. And furthermore, unique aesthetics and artistic magical inspiration break the design tradition, redefine the design language of electric vehicles, join Tesla's first fully functional design center outside the United States, get the chance to disrupt the era. And then finally, another cool note in the listing here, creativity is up to you. There is no formula for planning. Everything is created by you. Well, the jobs listed, if you're curious, include design manager, creative manager, senior car designer, CMF manager, and yes, I had to look up CMF, so if you're curious uh, to learn it as I did, it is stands for color, materials, and finish. So CMF manager, CMF mastering specialist, design quality specialist, content manager, copywriter, videographer, video editor, and gra- uh, yes, graphic designer. So Those last few there, it sounds like they're hiring a team that won't just design things, but also create the marketing materials to go with them. But also, I would note that based on those positions available and the wording of the job postings, they are absolutely going to design a made-for-China car. Now, we'd previously heard that the hot hatch uh, that's been bandied about lately might be made in Berlin, at Giga Berlin, primarily for Europe. So would China want or need its own bespoke design for a similar compact vehicle or or kind of hatchback, hot hatch vehicle? Or might the Shanghai Design Center cook up something else? It will be very interesting to see what happens with that new design center over the next few years. That's everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news, but stick with me. Your excellent Ride the Lightning hotline phone calls are coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to get your questions and topics discussed right here on Ride the Lightning. I welcome your calls. I invite them. There are two easy ways that you can participate here. Uh, Either way, please try to keep your question, comment, whatever it is, to 90 seconds or less so that I can get through as many callers each week as possible. But the two easy ways that you can send that call in are either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record that question, and then email it to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can call and leave a message anytime, day or night, on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number, call or Skype, 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Here's Mark from Houston to kick us off talking about the Cybertruck. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, Ryan. This is Mark Eversole calling from Houston. I'm a longtime fanboy of yours and your podcast. I was interested to hear your thoughts on the trailer shown during the Cybertruck reveal in November that Alon called a sick attachment for the Cybertruck. Since that time, I haven't heard much about it. Imagine the possibilities if Tesla produces a travel trailer that is truly integrated with a Cybertruck. Tesla could revolutionize another industry that is currently experiencing unprecedented demand. The trailer could have solar panels and with a battery pack in the trailer, maybe both the truck and the trailer could share battery capacity. This would create a lot of flexibility by adding range to the truck and allowing people to live off-grid for extended periods of time. The possibilities seem endless to me. Have you heard anything more about the trailer? I am curious to hear your thoughts. Thanks. 
Great to hear from you, Mark. I'll tell you, I haven't heard anything about it or the Cyber Quad, actually. I mean, my educated guess on this, and I do want to emphasize that it's just a guess, is that all of those accessory kind of things that Elon has talked about, from the camper attachment to the Cyber Quad to the solar panel vault cover to the uh, sort of camp thingy that you that goes over the, the sort of... Um, those little banner things that, uh, what's canopy, that's the word I'm looking for, the solar canopy, those I imagine will probably all come much later. Tesla needs to get the Cybertruck into production as soon as possible in order to start chipping away at the hundreds of thousands of reservations that they have received for it already. I mean, I could be wrong, again, that's why I said it's a guess, and maybe all that stuff's going to be there on day one, but historically we know that Tesla's resources when it comes to new stuff, they tend to be pretty limited from both a production and engineering and even design perspective. I mean, they're a lean and mean company, that's just part of who they are, and as such, I think they're going to focus on the Cybertruck itself, get that out the door so that then they can move on to the Roadster and getting that out the door and they'll worry about kind of all those accessories after the fact. But that said, I do think all of those Cybertruck accessories will happen. I don't think any of them will end up being vaporware. Thank you very much, Mark. Bill from Wisconsin is up next. Go ahead, Bill. Hey, Ryan. This is Bill from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Love the podcast. Listen all the time. Own two Teslas and are loving the Tesla experience. Uh, my reason for my call is I'm really upset about this recent court decision in Germany uh, where the driver said that he crashed his car because he had to look down to adjust his wipers. And the court sided with him saying that the Tesla's screen was a distraction and and it just goes to show how little people pay attention to the details. Uh, if anyone cared to look, Tesla's wiper controls and a number of other controls on the car are accessible using your voice. And nobody seems to have brought that up. Uh, I hope that this doesn't make difficulties for Tesla in Germany going forward. And I would remind everyone that uh, your Tesla does have voice activated controls for a number of features. And Tesla needs to do a better job of educating their owners about the voice activation. Uh, this maybe never would have happened. Thanks a lot. Take care. I'll keep. I'll be listening next week. Bye. I completely agree with you here, Bill. Uh, I agree that Tesla does have a long way to go in educating their customers about the unique features of the car. In fact, just for a quick story here, if you've been listening for a while, you may remember that it was just about two years ago when I helped kickstart the owner volunteer efforts at the end, uh, those end of quarter delivery pushes. I mean, I guess I didn't help. They were already going on in, in certain ways, but I was, I tweeted Elon about it and he responded. So it kind of, it helped jumpstart it. So, you know, I contributed anyway. Um, so I did it. I went down to the Fremont delivery center uh, over on a couple of different days and had, I told you then I had such a great time. I've done it a few times since pre COVID obviously, but one of the bits of feedback for Tesla that I came away with while assisting them with new owner orientations for hours at a time, and I did share this feedback with them, was that the cars need, in my opinion, some kind of interactive walkthrough when you first take delivery. A kind of tutorial that will walk you through all the functions of the car from within the car itself. Not a thing you're looking at on a... On a computer screen or your phone, but right in the car itself, and one that you could then go back and turn on again and interact with anytime you happen to need it. I would even advocate for that being something that should be mandatory for any time a new profile is set up on the car, similar to how you have to scroll all the way down and in theory read uh, the end user license agreement and agree to it anytime you download, say, like a new version of iTunes. I mean, of course, that reminds me, South Park made a hilarious episode about that, but uh, I digress. The other thing I wanted to say here was that as far as Germany goes, I can tell you that Tesla does have what's called their policy team, which handles lobbying efforts 
uh, and things like this in various states and countries. So hopefully they're already taking action on this. Bill, thanks so much for calling in. Let me go now to Tom in Reno. Go ahead, Tom. Hi, Ryan. Uh, This is Tom in Reno. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I listen every Sunday to it. Uh, Really appreciate what you do. And uh, anyway, I'll get into it here. I, um, I don't actually own a Tesla, but I do have two electric cars right now. Um, because I really believe in electric cars. I have a Chevy Bolt and also a Nissan Leaf that my wife drives. At some point in the future, we're looking at probably getting a Tesla. It will probably be used. Um, Anyway, um, I am a big fan of all electric vehicles, and I really admire what Elon Musk has done in his pursuit of alternate transportation. I really believe in that mission. Anyway, there is a topic on your podcast I haven't heard I haven't heard you cover and I apologize if you have mentioned it and that is what is yours and perhaps Tesla's reaction to the dismal showing of dead last on the JD Powers ratings Tesla has done quite well in the past with responding to poor ratings for example with regard to paint quality as you talked about on last Sunday's um, podcast and to listening to and responding to Sandy Monroe's opinions on areas where Tesla can improve. As far as J.D. Powers go, I've read that they are essentially ratings up for sale. I don't know if that is true, but what I do know is I want your opinion on it. You're sometimes leery of giving your opinion, but don't be shy. Let us know what you think, and let us know if uh, Elon has actually responded to this. Again, thanks for your time and for the podcast. I'll be uh, hoping for an answer. Have a good one, sir. Bye. Tom, thank you for your call. Elon has, in fact, addressed this on the Daily Drive podcast that I played some clips from last week. So check that out if you want to hear what he had to say. Now, as for me, my opinion is that it's probably not as bad as J.D. Power makes it out to be, nor as much of a non-issue as Elon makes it out to be if you hear him talk about it on that Daily Drive podcast. I suspect, as with most things, the truth probably lies somewhere in between. I mean, look, it's no secret that Tesla does need to do better as far as the fit and finish of the cars coming out of the factory. Anecdotally, anecdotally, let me emphasize that word, it does seem like quality control may have taken a bit of a hit since the factory restarted back in May, presumably with the goal of making up as much of that lost production time as possible. Now, I can understand that if that's the case. Of course, I don't have any data to back up my hypothesis there. I only have anecdotal stories from the community, but I wouldn't give Tesla a pass on it either. I mean, yes, plenty of people are totally happy with their cars, And others, uh, there are people that certainly aren't as picky as, say, someone like me. Because, yes, I admit, I am very picky with my cars, and I always have been. But I think Tesla does need to do better. I mean, they owe it to the people paying large sums of money for these cars. I mean, and most of those people, I would venture, I would would almost be, uh, I would be shocked if the data didn't back that up. Most of those people are first-time Tesla buyers, as I was when I got mine two years ago, and currently still am. I'm still a first-time Tesla buyer. And I would venture a confident guess that most of those people, and again, I'm in this group, spent more money on their Tesla than they've ever spent on a car. Maybe that's not true of the S and the X owners and the Roadster owners, the original Roadster owners that, that paved the way for us to get where we are now. But I would suspect very strongly that that is the case for us Model 3 and Model Y owners. So there's my opinion on it, Tom. I don't think Tesla is quite the bottom feeder in quality that being last in the JD Power survey might make it out to be. But I do think that they have real work to do on the quality of the vehicles being delivered to customers. Thank you again for your call, Tom. Heading now to Vegas. We're going to stay in uh, the great state of Nevada and talk to Christopher. Hi, Ryan. First time caller, long time listener. I would like to share my recent Model Y experience with all the listeners in case they are planning or have already bought one. 
To be upfront, love the podcast, love the cars Tesla makes, and believe in their products. I just happen to have a really negative experience with mine. I ordered a Model Y long-range all-wheel drive and picked it up about a week later. I was beyond ecstatic and so happy to finally be part of the Tesla family. I live in Las Vegas, and this time of year, the heat can be overbearing at times. I experienced an AC unit issue within the first two days. The alert on the screen said, Climate Keeper unavailable due to system fault. I retried resetting the car twice and nothing. I drove it over to the Tesla Center and dropped out the car. They told me it could take up to five days to diagnose my car. Uh, by the fourth day, I went back and talked to the service manager about it. He explained to me that while the Model Y is 65 to 70% of the same parts of the Model 3, the AC system is not. They have been having issues with the Model Y AC system in hot weather. They told me they had a couple cars here in town as well in Phoenix with this issue. They were ordering parts to try and fix the issue, but they had no real ETA on when it would be fixed and for how long. I love the car the almost two days I had it, but I'd rather wait for them to properly fix the issue with the new build of the Model Y and then get a new one from there. I don't want to sound like I'm putting Tesla down, but it was a very negative experience with the car and wanted to make sure that prospective buyers, especially in hotter climates, are aware of potential AC issues. I will say that the service manager that I dealt with was great and understanding during the whole process. I just hope that one of your listeners doesn't have this issue with their car and Tesla can fix it in a timely manner. Thank you. Well, not a fit and finish issue there, but unfortunate nevertheless. Christopher, thank you very much for sharing your experience. I am sad to hear that you ended up having to return the car. Now, the downside, as I'm sure you're aware, but I think it's good to mention to everybody else just so they know, is that you're not able to reorder the same model for one year after you return a Tesla within that return window. I mean, Christopher could order an S, an X, or a 3 in the next year, but not another Y. But Christopher, I completely understand why you made the decision you did based on your description there. Here's hoping that Tesla has revised that HVAC system if indeed you do decide to buy again when your year is up. And in the meantime, I am more than happy to help keep you informed and maybe even a little bit entertained on everything in the world of Tesla. John from Santa Barbara next, uh, responding to a caller named Darren from a few shows back about replacing tires. Go ahead, John. All right. Uh, my name is John from Santa Barbara, California. I was just calling back about uh, Darren, who was calling about replacing his tires. Um, I have a long-range Model 3 and early VIN one that I have about 80,000 miles on, and I've replaced the tires once and probably will be replacing them soon again. Um, I actually went into Michelin Tour AS, the Primacy Tour AS, and I found that they're just as good as the stock ones, plus they're quite a bit cheaper. Sometimes they're a little bit louder on certain pavements. Sometimes they're a, a little bit quieter. It just really varies. Um, but um, my watts per mile has been about the same, about in that 250 range for a lot of highway driving in the cold. Um, recently drove a 240-mile trip from Monterey, California, and I was averaging about 210. Um, so it works out really well. Um, they do have a longer warranty, so and they're cheaper, so it might be a good option for him or other people listening. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that, John. Thank you. I went to see exactly how much cheaper they are, and they are $216 per tire versus $276 for the OEM versions of the 18-inch tire. So a good you know, $240 all around there of savings. And we're at the point now, too, in the Model 3's life cycle that people are starting to replace tires. So it's good to get these recommendations from people like yourself who've actually tried different tires than the OEM variant and are thus able to uh, nicely compare them to the OEM version. So, John, thank you again. Let me go to another John from J-O-N John to J-O-H-N John in Florida talking about battery energy density. Go ahead, John. Hey, Ryan, it's John Ford in Florida. I just wanted to uh, maybe add a little bit of dimension to um, your comments on Panasonic and uh, battery energy density improvements. Um, I think you kind of stated what is kind of a fundamental misunderstanding a lot of folks have. So if you, let's say we have 78 kilowatts installed in our Model 3s, 
Um, if they can improve the energy density by 20% and they then, uh, one of your suggestions was that they would maybe just uh, keep the miles the same but put in less batteries. Um, it doesn't work that way because what happens is if you, if it takes less batteries to get the 78 kilowatts that's currently installed, then um, it's less weight. So you actually increase the miles and uh, you know, decrease the weight and decrease the cost. So it's a knock-on effect, and it, that's the, the beauty of it. So um, just thought I'd just add that little bit of a uh, color so that you would understand a little bit uh, how it actually happens. Thanks. Uh, love the show. Always great. Thank you, John. I appreciate that call and explanation. See, this is what I was talking about earlier in the podcast. I enjoy learning about the the technology that goes into these cars. But yes, John, that makes perfect sense. Weight would be saved. And of course, as we know, weight is a huge factor in range and handling as well. So there is indeed that knock-on effect that you mentioned. Cheers to you, John. Let's see, we've got uh, still a few more callers. Matthew from Brooklyn is up next. Take it away, Matthew. Hi, Ryan. This is Matthew from Brooklyn. I'm a longtime listener and previously a fan of your work on IGN. I've wanted to get a Tesla for a long time, but on-street parking means I just don't have the convenience of overnight charging. And parking on the street here means unavoidably scratches and dents, so it's on hold until I have a garage. Like many people living in large cities and during the current circumstances, I've come to the realization that if I sold my apartment and moved an hour or so outside the city, I could probably get a much larger place with a garage and still have money left over to get a Tesla. It seems I'll be telecommuting at least partially for the foreseeable future, and when I do have to drive into the city, my commute would be made way better with autopilot and full self-driving. Longer term, I think full self-driving will play a major role in reversing the trend of urbanization as people will be more open to longer commutes. I know the Bay Area is comparable to New York in housing prices, so maybe this is something you've also considered. Also, as an aside, I'm sure in your other world of video games you're familiar with Sir Clive Sinclair, the inventor of the ZX Spectrum, which I have very fond memories of. And I'm still holding out hope you interview the Stamper Brothers on IGN Unfiltered. Anyway, did you know that he shares some parallels with Elon, such as the Sinclair C5 electric vehicle? I'm sure it wouldn't beat a Tesla in a drag race, but thought it was interesting nevertheless. Anyway, thanks for the great podcast. Bye. Oh, man, I would love to get the Stamper Brothers on IGN Unfiltered sometime, Matthew. Uh, But anyway, yes, the world is changing and telecommuting is going to be more of a normal thing in a lot of fields, probably. At least some of the time. That's what what it seems like is going to happen. But as for street parking, I have not lived in New York City, but my understanding is that it's pretty cutthroat with regard to parking. Here, for instance, in San Francisco, uh, in my neighborhood specifically, there are actually a lot of electric vehicles in my own neighborhood. Some Teslas, some Bolts, some Volts, some 500Es, and a a lot of people do street park them, and people will run the cord across the sidewalk. Now, most of those people are considerate enough to put a cord cover down to help prevent tripping and, you know, make it easier for like things like strollers to, to get over them. But I would imagine in New York that something like that even might not fly. I'm not sure. But here's hoping that you're able to make your Tesla dream come true sooner rather than later. Thanks very much for calling in. Dave from Prescott is up next. Uh, talking about road trips and his uh, adventures there. Go ahead, Dave. Hi, Ryan. Uh, Dave from Prescott. Uh, Truly appreciate and enjoy your helpful, positive, and passionate uh, presentations. Recently, I was making a trip uh, to San Diego, stopping in Quartzsite and El Centro. As I was leaving uh, Quartzsite, I had a red banner appear saying that the charger en route to San Diego uh, was unavailable. Uh, I clicked on the El Centro charger on my map, and it said six of eight were available. Not knowing what to believe, I spent an extra 45 minutes in Quartzsite to get a full charge and headed off to San Diego. Just out of curiosity, I stopped in El Centro and found that the chargers were working fine. On my way back from San Diego, I stopped in El Centro and charged and got a message saying that the quartzite charger was temporarily um, closed. 
So I drove to Ehrenberg, 17 miles this side of Quartzsite, and charged there. I spoke to the other Tesla owners, and they also received the same message that the Quartzsite charger was closed. I left Ehrenberg, out of curiosity, stopped in Quartzsite, hooked up, charged, no problem. So what's going on here? This is rather disconcerting when you're traveling um, long distances in your Tesla and getting these messages. Thanks for calling, Dave. That is definitely strange. I do like the idea of what you encountered, you know, that the, the car would warn you about the next charger at the one you're already at. Uh, I mean, if you've been listening for a while, you might remember that I ran into problems at the Indio supercharger during my trip to and from Arizona over the holidays in that my problem was the car, you know, it's busy holiday travel. Uh, California superchargers tend to be pretty crowded as it is. The car said that plenty of chargers were available at Indio, but both times, especially the first time, caught me off guard. The second time, I knew what to expect. But the car said that plenty of chargers were available, but when I got there, literally more than half of them were broken, and people had just had put the cords like up over the top of the supercharger as a way to try to kind of tell people, hey, this thing's not working properly. So on paper, this is progress that the car would warn you, but I'm not sure why that happened to you and others if the chargers were actually working. So maybe just a glitch or something getting accidentally toggled on Tesla's end. Maybe some of my Tesla employee listeners can uh, reach out to help us with this one. Well, that will wrap it up for the Ride the Lightning hotline this week. Again, please keep your calls coming. I would absolutely love to hear from you. I very much enjoy this part of the show. Someday, maybe they'll we'll, we'll get to some place where I could actually have live call-ins. Although, of course, that opens up the risk to sometimes it's good to be able to filter them first. But anyway, I love hearing from you guys. Thanks so much for calling in. I'll be right back with your pro tip of the week and some final thoughts for you right after this. Well, as for what's going on with me and my car, number one, it badly needs a wash this weekend, so that's going to happen. But number two, if you're curious, my zero-G wheels still have not made it in, but uh, there is optimism. I got, I finally started getting updates from Tesla again. I want to say thank you to Michael from Tesla Service and also a tip of the cap to William. He's out there as well. I think he's listening for trying to get this going. And long story short, it looks like the parts are finally in and I have another appointment set up for, what is it? I guess it's about two weeks, a little less than two weeks from now, because uh, I got the email that said your these parts have arrived. So hopefully it's finally going to happen after a long wait. Again, I know they're, they're, a, they're a prize from the referral program, so I can't complain. I'm not, you know, I'm not paying for these things. But boy, it's been a it's been a journey trying to get them for the last four months or so. But we're, it looks like I'm almost there. Very very excited to get these very sporty, unique wheels onto my Model Three. So anyway, uh, I will keep you updated on that. Now, once again, at the suggestion of longtime listener Stefan from Monterey, I wanted to give you a video game recommendation if you're still mostly spending time at home rather than uh, being out and about. So. Uh, I wanted to, this one, you know what, I wish I had written down who this was on Twitter that had mentioned this to me just what, today on Friday or maybe even yesterday, Thursday, but uh, reminding me of uh, one of my favorite PlayStation 4 games, which is actually more recently, it's now available on PC as well, and it is called Detroit Become Human. And it's, it is uh, definitely not fit for kids. So this one, I know I try to give family-friendly recommendations for games you can play either with or, or at least around your kids. This one is, uh, it is a mature game. And I mean, it's not, it, it's not like crazy over the top, like super crazy violence, but I think it is rated M, I think. Um, so just as a warning, but anyway, Detroit Become Human, it's a, it's a very cinematic kind of very, uh, 
next generation looking adventure game. Like if you ever played, I know at the beginning when I first started doing this little recommendation segment, I, I mentioned Monkey Island, uh, all, all how I love the old point and click adventure games. Well, Detroit Become Human is uh, from a studio that has kind of picked up the mantle and continued to make adventure games in a modern way. So this game, Detroit Become Human, it's very story driven, but it's it's like a choose your own adventure. You're, you're inter- the way you're interacting and the things you're, you're choosing to do affect the story. It's pretty cool. I really enjoy it. So if you're, if you're interested in a science fiction cinematic adventure game, check out Detroit Become Human for PlayStation 4 or PC. Our pro tip of the week this week comes from another uh, longtime listener, Matershin from Toronto, with an HVAC tip for Model 3 and Model Y. Go ahead, Matershin. Hey, Ryan. This is Matershin from Toronto. Hope you're doing great. So I have a little tip for all the Model 3 and Y owners. Uh, it's about the HVAC system. So to turn on the HVAC system, most of the time you would just press the uh, fan icon. But what's annoying is that it will bring up the whole uh, control panel. But if you don't want to see that, you either press and hold to turn it on or press and hold the fan icon to turn it off. But you can also turn on the HVAC system without bringing out the whole control panel Without and without being to needing for you to press and hold the fan icon, all you gotta do is just tap on the uh, temperature control icon right beside the fan icon on the right side. Just tap it once, and it will turn on without bringing out the control. Hope that's helpful. Uh, hope the box of puppy is doing great. Hope she's sleeping right now. Uh, I'll talk to you in the next one. Bye. Well, thank you, Matersh, and I, I'm almost sure this is one of those ones where I've mentioned it before, but it is a really good one to know that, that I think everybody, every Tesla owner should know. So uh, that one today is for all the newer listeners out there that might not have known about it. Thank you again. And again, if you've got a pro tip of the week, I would love to feature it. Something interesting you've learned about your car that may not be obvious or in the manual. I mean, not like any of us are really reading the manual anyway. So something maybe yeah, just a little a little less than obvious that's, a, that's relevant to your Tesla experience that you'd like to share with your fellow Tesla owners. You can send it my way the very same way that you send in Ride the Lightning hotline calls. I gave you that information earlier in the show. All right, time to roll, but first I wanted to mention my friends at abstractocean.com. As usual, they've got that standing 15% discount for first-time Ride the Lightning, uh, first-time customers who are Ride the Lightning listeners. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get that 15% discount. All one word, RTLPODCAST. They've got just an awesome, they're like the Costco of of uh, Tesla accessories, and I mean that in a very nice way, where they've just got everything. Tempered glass screen protectors, the center console wrap kits, the interior lighting upgrades, the you know, LED lighting kits, all kinds of great stuff. Check them out, abstractocean.com. Meanwhile, the snap plate. This is for those of you who, like me, hate a front license plate but need to put one on from time to time. This one... It snaps on and off very easily. It's paint safe. It's safe for the grill. It's safe for the radiator. It's safe to use with autopilot. Clean, minimalist design, uh, which I also very much am on board for. And it's, you know, if you want to remove it for a car show, put it on at a parking meter to avoid a ticket, uh, take it off for cleaning or a car wash, uh, put it on for toll roads, bridges, that kind of thing. All those uses, they've got it for the 3, the Y, the X, and in fact, now, just most recently, they've got a version for the Model S as well. So you can get that, uh, plus some other accessories that they've got over at livingtesla.com slash RTL. Please use that slash RTL URL. I would sincerely appreciate it. Meanwhile, puretesla.com has got you covered on your dash cam and sentry mode needs, puretesla.com slash RTL. Again, that's that slash RTL. Throw that on there. I would very much appreciate it. One-stop shop, 128 gigabyte kit for $49. 69 bucks if you want to step up to the 256 gigabyte kit. Comes fully formatted, ready to go, works with Mac or PC. Straight out of the package, right into your car. You don't have to do anything else, and it ships free in the United States. That URL again, puretesla.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, 
Jada Wireless Charging Pad. There is that coupon code for listeners of this show, 10 bucks. I believe it's 10 bucks, I think. <laughs> oh boy, pretty sure it's 10. Uh, Ride the Lightning, all one word. Make sure you spell lightning correctly. Ride the Lightning is that promo code to use for the Jada Wireless Charging Pad for the Model 3 as well as the USB hub for the 3 or and or the Y. That, that USB hub will get you some additional USB ports, including a couple of USB-C ports, plus that cool dummy back wall where you can then hide your, your uh, pure Tesla dash cam kit back there, your dash cam drive. So again, uh, the coupon code Ride the Lightning and the URL to use for that, if you please, is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. If you ever need these links, by the way, they're all in the show description every week. Uh, meanwhile, if you're in the Bay Area or going to be and you'd like to have some awesome high quality detailing work done to your car, maybe a paint correction, maybe paint protection film, maybe some ceramic coating so you don't have to wax it for the next three to five years. You can book in with my friend Jeff at Immaculate Reflections. He took care of my car and he can take care of yours too. He's got a touchless pickup and drop off. So totally uh, COVID friendly in this case. And he offers discounts for listeners of this show. I should know. I took advantage of it myself when I had that little garage mishap and had to get the film redone on part of the car. To book in with Jeff or just browse around his website if you'd like to learn more, it's irdetailing.com. And I think that's everybody and everything other than if uh, you might give me a moment to humbly mention my Patreon. Uh, Again, it's the five-year anniversary of Ride the Lightning this month here in August. And uh, as I mentioned a couple of shows back, I'm doing kind of that, just trying to have a little fun, do a promo thing. I've got a new permanent tier of the Patreon. It's the $7 tier that will get you not only uh, the new perk of caller priority. If you call in, you're going to get prioritized for the next uh, week or two's show. But also, in addition to that, you'll get the $5 tier benefit, which is early access to each week's episode. So uh, I, you know, I put a lot into this podcast, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, research. I do my best to be very factual and accurate, which I think by and large, I, I think I do a pretty good job of that. So if you're willing and able to support me, it is totally voluntary. And I know these are strange and uncertain times, but your support would be sincerely appreciated if you're able to give it. You can learn more or go ahead and pledge at patreon.com slash tesla podcast and patreon is spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n i'm on most major podcast services including youtube again it's just audio there but if you do want to listen on youtube you can do that just search ride the lightning tesla on uh and then you'll find my channel and can easily subscribe to it there subscribe on whatever uh platform you're listening on though just so that the show downloads to you automatically each week rather than you having to remember, oh yeah, it's time for another new episode. And I think that will about do it other than saying thank you to the Patreon producers, the wonderful folks at the producer tier who get, among other things, the shout out in the uh, here at the end of each week's episode. So Pete White, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversall, Ish, Ramey from TeslaProTips.com, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Seth Capello, Jamie Dalton, Noel uh, and Lucy Murphy, and my friend on Twitter, at Rodam. Thank you all so much for your continued support. 
I'm happy to add your name to that list if you feel so inclined on Patreon. I'd love to have you there. But thank you all very, very much for your time, your attention, and your support, whether it's on Patreon or whether you're just listening and, and supporting uh, via a, uh, a, a your time, which I sincerely appreciate. So I'm, I'm melting here because in this closed room for maximum quiet, it is getting very hot. Still a very hot, very hot night here in San Francisco. But you know what? I like it. I like a nice warm summer night. I'll take it. So for is she in here? Yeah, she's just passed out on the floor because it's too hot. Daisy the Boxer Puppy. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning episode 263. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.